Thank you, praise team. Thank you, Sean. If you have your Bibles, if you'll pull those out. Somebody excited over there about that? All right. As you're pulling out your Bibles and opening to the book of Jonah, just an update on um, what's happening in my life, in uh, the world of Orange Theory. That's where I've been going to work out lately. This last week, the gym has, uh, they, they do this every year, at least, at least once, a week, once a year, maybe twice a year, they have a thing they call Hell Week. I kind of view it as uh, kind of the last week of pledging a fraternity. It's, it's, it's really difficult, they, a whole week of very difficult workouts. Well, we started Hell Week this week, and I went in on Friday. And you've heard me talk about my coach there, having a good time with William and, and just coaching him up. He's coaching me up physically. I'm, he doesn't know this, but I'm coaching him up uh, spiritually, discipling him. And uh, we're sitting in the, in the foyer, and everyone's getting ready to go into the workout area. And he kind of explains the workout. This is what we're going to do today. This is what your reps are going to look like. And so he's telling us all about it. And, and right before we go in, he goes, oh, yeah. Pastor Jay, will you bless our time before we go in? I said, William, I'll do whatever you want me to do. He said, everybody bow your heads. Pastor Jay's going to pray for us. Now, I hope William doesn't get in trouble for that. Because there are people in that foyer that uh, you can tell by the words that come out of their mouth, they're not interested in God at all. But this young man is calling me to invoke the presence of God in that place. And church, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the opportunity to, for God to allow me to, to be a voice in that place. And so that was exciting. You know, he, he said, everybody bow your heads. You know, this is the only hell you'll be able to come back from. <laughs> Pastor Jay, pray. <laughs> so that was that was good. That's fun. You guys continue to pray for me. Catherine and I have, uh, I have uh, made the decision this year to do a Friendsgiving. You may or may not have heard of that before. You know, it's, we're going to do it the Sunday before Thanksgiving. Uh, I went to the manager of the particular Orange Theory that I go to, and I went to her and said, my wife and I would like to have an Orange Theory Friendsgiving with all the staff, our new friends that we have here, just want to have you all over for dinner. No agenda. We just think it's important to say thank you to friends that, that we've been blessed with. She was tickled to death and, and was excited about it. So, as I said, continue to pray for, for us as uh, God would give us voice and influence in that community of friends that we have. We start today in a book of the Bible that is uh, beautiful. It is a jewel of ancient Hebrew literature, Jonah. As William does, the, my coach at, at the gym, 
as he does every week, he said, Coach, what you, or, or Pastor Jay, what are you preaching on this week? I said, I'm starting a series in Jonah. He said, is that the guy, is that the guy in the whale? I said, that, that's the book. That, that's, that's who it is. Because, hey, listen, let's be honest. We all think, when we think of the book of Jonah, we think Jonah and the, and the whale. Our children's ministries have taught us that since we were children. Since we were kids, we've, we've seen that. Our children's ministries, and I, and I'm not throwing blame. It, it, it makes me thankful for our children's ministry and how dedicated they are to teaching the Word of God to our children. But I don't know if it's, it's not been on purpose. I know this, but our children's ministries have kind of turned this book, this great jewel of Hebrew literature, into kind of a VeggieTales <laughs> version of a book of the Bible, huh? Some of you will remember uh, flannel boards. Remember those? Uh, in, in children's ministry, they used to stick. Well, I, I, I found some flannels, and I went to order the board. Those things are really expensive. <laughs> I thought, I, I, I want to use an illustration, but I, I don't want just for one illustration... I don't want to do that. So I, I found these, and I'm going to use a substitute. Um, <laughs> they used to have these. They, see, here's the boat, and Jonah's in it with all the sailors. And then, stay with me. Stay with me. And, and then here's the, i got to be careful here. Here's the whale. Anyway, the boat doesn't want to stick. Illustration is over. You got it. No way. <laughs> Mitch, our friendship will be in jeopardy if you put that on social media. This book is so much more than about Jonah and a great fish. Do you realize that that word, the, the word fish, great fish, it shows up in three sentences in the entire four chapters. Chapter 1, verse 17. Chapter 2, verse 1, and chapter 2, verse 10. That's the only time it's mentioned. It's actually a really small part of this grand jewel of ancient Hebrew literature spoken and inspired by God to the heart of this prophet. And I am so excited to teach my way through this book over the next few weeks. Jonah, the running prophet. I'm going to start today with the question I'm going to end with. Are you running from something today? Do you find yourself running from something that God's laid on your heart? And I'm going to come back to that in just a little bit. But Jonah is a beautiful story, and I hope you have your Bibles with you. We're going to be referring to it in and out. Uh, it, it, where I'm going today, today's an introduction to this series, so today may sound and feel a little more academic than usual, but we're going to be referring back and forth in the Bible. Please uh, bring your hard copy with you. It, it'll just enhance your reading of this. Uh, is Jonah a book? Is Jonah a book of the Bible of, about race? And nationalism? Since Jonah seems to be more interested in his, his military security and success, 
his patriotic view of Israel. Is this a story about race and nationalism? Is this a story about God's call to go on mission? Since Jonah certainly heard the call and eventually answered the call. Is this a call, is this a, is this a story about believers in Jesus Christ obeying God even when they don't think that God is necessarily good or his ways are good? See, this book is so much more than just about a whale and Jonah. There's so many things that we're going to look into, and, and, and I, I look forward to unpacking those things with you. Make sure you, you're here for this, this series. It's, I believe God has a word for us in all of these weeks through this great book. There are some unique things about this book that the early readers would have noticed immediately. They would have recognized that this book isn't like any other prophetic book in the Bible. It's different. This is the only prophetic book where God speaks to one of his prophets and sends them to another country. Isaiah, Jeremiah, the prophet Amos, they spoke against other countries, but they stayed in their own backyard as they spoke those words. This book, the early readers would have said, What's going on here? Because God is giving a word to a prophet and sending them, sending him to someone else's backyard to teach and to proclaim the word of God. You'll notice in this book that chapter 1 and chapter 2 point out the command of God that was given to Jonah and his failure to obey it. Chapter 3 and chapter 4 points out that he's given the same command the second time, and this time he follows he obeys, but he regrets it. This book is laid out in parallel fashion. This is where I hope you have your Bibles opened up to the book of Jonah. You'll notice in chapter 1, verse 1, God's word comes to Jonah. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Now look over at chapter 3, verse 1. Here's it's parallel. Chapter 3, verse 1, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Okay, go back to chapter 1, verse 2, the message of God. God says this, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. Okay, go to chapter 3, verse 2. It's a parallel. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. Chapter 1, verse 3, here's, here's the response of Jonah. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Chapter 3, verse 3, you get the idea here. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Chapter 1, verse 4, I mean, can, can you see these parallels that are going on? Chapter 1, verse 4, here's the, the warning. But the Lord hurled, next week we're going to talk about the Lord hurling this great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea. I mean, there's a warning to Jonah. Look at verse 4 in chapter 3. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, here's the warning, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Chapter 1, verse 5. 
Here's the response of the pagans. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they, were, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea uh, to lighten it. Okay, chapter 3, verse 5. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put sackcloth. You see the parallels. It continues, verse 6 in chapter 1. Here's the, here's the response of the, the leaders. So the captain said to, the, said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Chapter 3, verse 6. Look what the king did. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he, he arose from his throne and removed his robe and covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. We can see over and over. This is a beautiful piece of ancient Hebrew literature. It is so much more than a story of Jonah and the whale. So much more. I hope that that you'll begin to see that God in his his, uh, grand plan put this wonderful story in his Bible, in the Bible, that you and I can learn from it, that you and I can take lessons from it, and not just about a VeggieTale version of this story. Now here's something that you and I need to wrestle with, how you and I respond to Jonah's, uh, this book of Jonah will say a lot about how you read the rest of Scripture. Joel, why you say that? Okay. Thanks for asking. If you're here or you're watching online and you believe that God loved you so much that he sent his son, lived the perfect life, And that he died on the cross to pay the penalty and the price for your sin. That's how much God loves you. If you believe that that Jesus died on the cross and was buried and put in a grave for three days. And on the third day, he arose from the dead. If you believe that the power of God can do that, which is a much greater miracle than some dude who ran from God. And swallowed by a great fish and was in his belly for three days. And on the third day, this fish spit him out. See, there's a lot of people that think this is just some kind of fable. Just some kind of story. And, and how you believe, if you, if you believe that God can raise his son from the dead, this is not a difficult belief for you. And how you read this will say a lot about how you see scripture. Folks, I believe that Jonah was in the belly of a great fish. The word whale is not in there. It ain't in there. It says great fish. I believe he was swallowed and was in the belly for three days. In chapter 2, he prayed from within the belly of that fish. On the third day, he spit it out. Some would also notice that Jonah, this book, parallels a popular parable that Jesus taught. You remember the parable of the prodigal son, right? First part of that that parable is of the younger son, who didn't like 
being under his, in his dad's house, didn't like his control. So what did the younger son do? Say it. He ran away. First chapter 1 and chapter 2 is just like that younger son. Chapter 3 and chapter 4 of Jonah is just like the older son. He stayed at home and he obeyed his dad. He did everything that his dad commanded. But when, but when the sinner came back home, when the prodigal son came back home and dad showed mercy on the younger son, the, the, the runaway, the one that blew everything, what was in the son's heart, the older son's heart? Bitterness and anger because of dad's mercy on the sinner. Some will see the parallel between the book of Jonah and the story of the prodigal son. It's there. So today I want to focus uh, in this introduction on verses 1 through 3, 1 through 4. I'm going to read that out loud if you'll stand with me if you're able in honor of reading of God's word. If you have your Bibles, read along. If you, if you don't, I have it on the screen here for you. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish. Check this out. Away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Lord, I pray this morning that um, your Holy Spirit would enlighten our hearts as to things we might be running from. Lord, we ask you to do what only you can do this morning. I pray this in your name. Amen. In typical fashion of prophet literature, this book opens with some common words. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah. If you turn in your Bibles over one page, in my Bible it's one page, to Micah. Look at the opening sentence. The word of the Lord came to Micah. You'll find the same thing in Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, Joel and Hosea, it was common to open up some of these prophetic letters in this fashion. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah. The word means dove. When you and I think of a dove, what do we think of? Peace. It's a symbol of peace. Isn't it interesting, this story, the main character, his name means peace. Son of Amittai, faithful one. Jonah, peace, the son of faithful one. Now that's going to come into play as we work our way through this. Jonah, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Now again, the original readers would have, would have been shocked and recognized this as a different type of prophetic book from any of the others. Several reasons. It was shocking because... God was calling one of his prophets to go outside of the country. I've mentioned that. The second 
Another reason is that the mission was also shocking, that God of Israel, the God of Israel, would want to warn the people of Nineveh. What in the world? God, what are you doing warning them? Now, this is important for us to understand the context of why Jonah would possibly be fleeing from what God's calling him to do and to go, where to go. God was calling him out of Israel to go to Nineveh, to the people of Assyria, today, uh, modern-day Iraq, the rivers Tigris and Euphrates, you remember those from Genesis, where the Garden of Eden is, Uh, the Tigris River is right there where Nineveh is. Nineveh, the ancient city, is just right across the river, the Tigris River, from modern-day Mosul. Maybe you remember stories in in our recent history of the Battle of Mosul. That's right across the river from Nineveh. He calls his prophet to leave the homeland and go to them. Now, the original readers would have said, what? The Assyrians? You're going to warn them of their impending doom? See, Jonah would have been thinking these things. He would have remembered. He would have known the reputation of the Assyrians. They were known and and today would be considered the cruelest of people in the ancient world. They were known for conquering other countries, the Assyrian Empire. When they would go into a place, into a city or a country and, and, and take it over, they would leave entire countrysides littered with corpses. They would burn all of the buildings to the ground. When they would conquer a city, they would take the women and children into slavery. You can only imagine how bad that was. They would ask the wives and children. They wouldn't ask them. They would make them put the decapitated head of the husband on the top of a pole and march it around the city. They would take the leaders of that city. They would skin them alive in front of the people. They would cut off the legs, both legs of people, cut off one arm and leave one arm and require them to shake the hand of their captors as they sat there and died and bled to death. The Assyrians were known to be the cruelest of people in the ancient world. And God was sending Jonah to warn them? I mean, Jonah would have been going, yes. There's impending doom. There's, they're, they're about to get what they deserve. I ain't going. See you. Right? And we can understand that. We get that. And Jonah ran the other way. It was this nation that God was going to send his mercy. Jonah said, I don't think so. I won't be the one to tell him about it. And so he ran. And we have a story about Jonah, the running prophet, who's running away. The thought of God giving a nation like that any chance of mercy was beyond Jonah's understanding. Possibly the most surprising uh, thing about that the, the original readers of this would have understood is who God was sending. Jonah himself. In 2 Kings chapter 14, we see that Jonah was one of the ones that, that uh, served underneath the, the kingship of Jeroboam II. 
that Jonah was one that supported and, and um, he supported the kingdom of Israel expanding its boundaries. Jeroboam's wanting to send out forces to take over more land. Jonah supported that. So Jonah was known as what? Extremely patriotic. Extremely nationalistic. A man of, of Israel, man. As a Hebrew of Hebrews. Proud of his country. Very nationalistic. And the original readers would have gone, you're sending Jonah? <laughs> the, the one who loves our nation? Extremely patriotic to those people? I mean, a, a, an illustration that we might think of as, as we look at verse 2. He says, God says to Jonah, arise and go to Nineveh that great city and call out against it for their evil has come up before me. Jonah literally did the opposite. Literally did the opposite of what God called. If, you, if we have that map that we can go back to. You can see the red arrow there. God said go east. Jonah went west. God said, walk across dry ground. Jonah got in a boat and went to sea. God said, go to the capital city of the most powerful nation in the ancient world at that time. And Jonah went to the farthest reaches of the known world. I mean, that was, Tarshish was the, the end of the earth. He literally did the opposite of what God asked him to do. We'll hear his words later why he refused to go, but we certainly have reason to think that we can guess as to why he went another way. The bottom line is this, church. <clears throat> Jonah didn't understand and doubted the goodness of God might be something you jot down. This is much more than just a story about a whale. Jonah doubted and didn't understand the goodness, the wisdom, and the justice of God. You know, a phrase that we often say, and, and well, we can practice it right now. God is good. And all the time, we say that. I'm not sure Jonah would have echoed that at that time. That's not good. They deserve what they're about to get. Why would I want to go warn them? Now, here's my question for us. Have you ever been in a time in your life, or maybe you're there today, where you would say, where is the goodness in God in this? Maybe you got a doctor's report, and it wasn't good. God, why would you have me go through this? I, I don't understand it, God. I follow you. I read your word. I pray. I go to church. I, I think I do what you want. Where is your goodness in this? I don't understand. You ever been there? 
Now, if you've been there, you understand what Jonah's going through. Maybe you lost a loved one to an accident or an illness. And you come to church, and the pastor stands up in front of everybody and says, God is good. And everybody else in the room says, And in your heart, you're going, not this time. Not this time. You ever been there? If you have, you might get what Jonah's experiencing and what he's going through. He didn't get it. God, how can you be merciful to that lost city? How can you show them mercy? You know what they do. You know how bad they are. How in the world can you show them mercy? Church, listen, when we go through times when we don't understand God's goodness, we have to make a decision. Do I trust that God's ways are the best ways? Do I trust that God is in control? Do I trust that God knows what is best for me? Or am I going to trust that I know what is best for me? Or am I going to trust that my ways are the best ways? It's crossroads for us. And Jonah was at a crossroads, and we get to read about the direction that he went when he encountered that decision. When we can't see that God is interested in our happiness or can't figure out why he would let us go through difficult times, it often results in us losing trust. Be aware of that. Logically, we come to a place of saying, if I can't see any good in the reason for this and why God would let me go through this, then there must not be any good reason. Be careful with those thoughts. You can see that today's message is an introduction to this book. I've mentioned a parallel between this story and the prodigal son parable of Jesus. issue that we're dealing with here at the beginning right off the bat in this book is the mystery of God's mercy why would God be merciful to that person <clears throat> God is sending him to this place and he said I ain't going he ran the other way so church let me ask this question it's another thing that we have to deal with not only dealing with the issue of God's goodness when we're going through difficult times but also dealing with the question of running from the direction that God is calling us. Bob, you have come to me several times. Where's Bob? There you are. You've come to me several times, times after church and said, Joel, are you reading my notes from our life group? I laugh about it just like you're laughing about it right now. But just a few minutes ago, you stood on this stage and you read Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Let's look at it. It's, it's here on the slide. Will you read this together with me out loud? Go, therefore. Stop for just a second. These are the words of Jesus to his disciples. Jesus is about to ascend. These are the last words, the last directions that he gives. And they apply to me and you. They're not a suggestion. 
They are a commissioning statement for me and for you. Let's read these together. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe. I ain't going. I ain't going to say a word to anybody. Especially that person at work that I don't like, I ain't saying a word. And so something, listen church, I don't, I didn't like this either when I, when I have I, am I guilty of running? There are people that God puts in my path that are far from him. I need to be a, a light. I need to be the flavor of God, salt and light in their life. And I act in a way and I behave in a way and I talk in a way. I'm going to Tarshish. So church today, let's really come down to this point. As we just begin this book, it's so much more than just a whale. You bitter and angry at God today? It's one of your blanks at the bottom. I just gave it away. Why are you bitter and angry at God today? Why? Because he's been merciful? Because he's calling you to do something? Are you bitter and angry at God because of difficult circumstances that you've been going through? A hard season? You've been going through class five rapids in your life. I'm just ready for some calm water. God, why are you making me go through this? Are you bitter and angry at God today? I think Jonah would understand with those feelings. But the question that I was just dealing with out of Matthew 28, what or who are you running from? Who do you need to be salt and light in front of? And in your heart, you're going, I can't stand that person. And there is no way I'm going to be nice to that person. There's no way that I will be the flavor of God in their life. That dude at school, that girl at school, there ain't no way, no possible way I'll be nice to them. I'm going to Tarshish. And none of us, if we are a child of God, can escape Matthew 28's commissioning verse for us. Go. And while you're going, make disciples. So at the bottom of your page there, where or who is your Nineveh? God has said, go there. I would encourage you to write a name down. You don't have to let other people read it. Go ahead and write it down. Who is it? Where is it? That second question. Am I angry? Am I bitter at God these days? Go ahead and write your answer. Yes or no. And if it's yes, why? Go ahead and, and talk with God about it. Let's take this personal for just a few moments. God, I can't believe you would allow my parents to go through this. God, I can't believe you would allow our marriage to go through this. 
And yes, I'm angry. Talk to him about it. I believe God can handle your conversation. And God just might want to teach you something through this difficult time in your life. And the third blank there on your outline. Am I running from the presence of the Lord today? You see that in verse 1. You see it in verse 3. Not verse 1, verse 3. That he's running from the presence of the Lord. Are you here today? And you're running from God. You're running. I know that I should be closer to God. I know that I should be doing, uh, reading his word and spending time just talking with him in prayer. But I just ain't feeling it, man. And I'm having a better time going in this direction. You running from the presence of the Lord today? We can see scripture after scripture that says there's no place anywhere that we can hide from his presence. There's nowhere. I want to tell you about God's mercy in case you've forgotten it real quick. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3 that all people have sinned and fallen short of his standard, his glorious standard. There ain't a person who hasn't slipped and messed up. He goes on in, verse, in chapter 5, verse 8, in Romans and says, you know, this is how God demonstrated his love for me and you. That while we were still in the midst of our sin, Christ died for us. I mean, it's, we, we fly that flag every week as a reminder of God's great love for us and that while we were still sinning, Christ died on the cross for our sin, shed his blood to cover our sin. Goes on in chapter 6, verse 23, and says, because the wages of our sin, we talked about it last week, the wages of our sin is death, eternal separation from God. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. goes on in chapter 10 of Romans and says if if a person would confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved saved that's the mercy of God we don't deserve that free gift But if we will call on the name of Jesus and trust in him to be our Lord, God says, you'll be one of my children. Welcome at my banquet table anytime. Goes on verse 13 of that chapter and says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We're walking through the book of Jonah. And today we start learning about God's mercy. And if you're here today and you have never called on the name of Jesus to be your Lord, to be your Savior, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. We can do it. We're going to stand and sing in just a moment. In fact, I'd invite the praise team to to make your way up. When we stand and sing, and if you've never, never trusted in Jesus as your Savior, I would love 
to talk with you about that, to pray with you. If you want to make that decision right now, we'll be over here at the meet and greet time. If you'd rather wait and talk about it then, I'd be glad to do that. Folks, listen, it is the most important decision you'll ever make in your life, ever. Eternity is in the balance. To call on the name of the Lord. Let's pray as we finish. Father, we come before you. We thank you for this beautiful book that you have seen fit to put in your canon of scripture. We thank you for the lessons of today and the lessons in the following weeks that we're going to be talking through. But today, Lord, I want to pray over those that, that are here that might find themselves in a place of bitterness and angry, anger towards you. Or, or maybe they don't understand why you would allow them to go through these difficult things in life. And today they just, they just don't understand what's going on. Lord, I lift them up to you now, and I pray that that you would fill fill their hearts with your plan, your, your mercy, your grace, that you would help them know that you will never leave them or forsake them. Lord, you will see them through these this storm. You'll, you'll see them through these rapids that they're going through. Before I give everyone just a chance to, to have alone time with God for just a few moments, I wonder if there's someone here today that would say, Joel, that's me. I, I don't understand why God's al- allowing me to go through this. And yes, I've wrestled with bitterness and I've wrestled with those emotions, but I just don't get it. Is that you? Is there anybody? If you'd look up and just make eye contact with me, I, I want to know who I'm praying for. I see it. Got it. Again, Lord, I, I, you know the hearts, and you know what they need. Father, you know the circumstances in great detail. Your word teaches us that you know every hair on our head. Lord, if you take care of the sparrows that <coughs> and all of their needs, what makes us think that you won't take, us, take care of ours? How much more valuable are we? Lord, remind your children of this truth that you are with them and that you're going to see them through. Father, help them see what you want them to learn through these situations. Lord, bring peace. Bring peace quickly. But Lord... As even Jesus said in the garden, not my will, but your will be done. As James said in his, his great writing, Lord, that we should consider it all joy, these trials that we go through, and let it have its perfect work, Lord. Let it be completed that we may be ready, Lord, that these that have, have said, I, I don't understand, Lord, that they may be ready for anything that's in front of them. Grow them in this, Lord, I pray. Well, I also wonder if there's someone here today that you know you have a Nineveh, and it might even be a person. You know that God has called you to to be kind to that person, to, to say something to that person, to be salt and light to that person. But you have found in your heart 
today's uh, from the Word of God, you've realized that you've been running, you've been going to Tarshish. And that today God is saying, no, 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 no. I want you to go east and you've been going west. If that's you today and you know that you need to, you need to turn around and go and show God's kindness and mercy to that person, I wonder if that's you. Would you look up and make eye contact with me? Anybody? Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. As we spend just another moment in quiet and silence, I pray that you would, uh, you would have the last word. I pray this in your name. Amen.